just check to see that the body is <clears throat> relaxed or at least comfortable. And settling into a natural stillness. Reminding ourselves that with this awareness practice, we really want to not try to create any experience, any kind of meditative state, but rather be willing to acknowledge the present moment's experience as clearly as possible without a preference for one kind of experience or resistance to another. Remembering is the hard part. Remember to recognize. And that's the mental muscle that we're cultivating is this remembering. And then the recognizing, observing, seeing what happens to the experience. Knowing that all of this is being known by awareness. So as I mentioned last night, we don't want to get too focused on the object, but rather to step back from the object, the sensations, the thoughts, the emotions, the memories, whatever, just step back from it in the mind and just recognize that there is this knowing going on, this awareness of experience that's going on. Now we have to remember that just recognizing this awareness doesn't mean that we're trying to make awareness the object of our awareness. That's not going to work. It just ends up in struggle. But there can be a recognition of, oh, noticing the awareness that notices the object. Okay. Last night I spoke about these visitors to the mind that obscure this awareness. So that when they arise, often kind of unconsciously, or we're not aware of them, they arise coloring our experience flavoring our experience, often with some personal narrative. I want this, I don't want that, I'm so happy, I'm so sad, I'm depressed, this isn't working, I'm not doing well. And when we can recognize, oh, we're kind of entangled in this kind of thinking, we've begun to be aware of them initial and difficult, often first step. But even then we step out of the story and we can see, oh, this, this suffering narrative 
or this narrative of my suffering, my unhappiness, my struggle, my scheming, strategizing, resistance. This is one of those visitors to the mind. And if we frame it as, oh, this is an opportunity to learn to be aware of something I'm not so yet skillful at recognizing. And so to step back and and see if you can recognize the unique flavor of this object. What is its qualities? What is its nature? And whatever you observe, whether in the heart or reflected in the body as sensations or the stories and thoughts that come with it or the emotional tone of it, this is the nature of this visitor to condition these kinds of experiences. So as we observe these experiences, the narrative, the sensations in the body, the feeling in the heart, we can collectively understand, oh, this is the nature of fear. This is the nature of resistance. This is the nature of self-pity. This is the nature of impatience. This is the nature of self-judgment. All of these are, you know, forces, visitors that exert a force in the mind of unhappiness, discontentment, some kind of dissonance with the way things are. So be willing to take the time to acknowledge the flavor of what's going on. Being careful not to just beat yourself up for now recognizing some unskillful habit of mind. Relax around that. Accept and acknowledge, yeah, this is the way it is for me for now. It's not who I am. It's not how I am. It's not my personality. It's not an inherent element of the mind. It's a visitor. Okay. Then if we can exercise some restraint so we're not just acting it out. And acting it out can be done physically. Acting out can be done mentally or verbally or we can write a note. And when we do that, we kind of dissipate. We kind of express the mental state and it kind of leaves our view. We've acted on it. And when it's not so apparent anymore. Nothing like dumping your anger on somebody else, blaming them. There, got rid of that one. And you can do this in your own mind with, with just reflecting on the source of your discontentment and blaming others, the weather, blaming anything except taking full responsibility to just be with this experience. So acting out doesn't mean necessarily acting physically or verbally, but even in the mind that indulges in rationalizing, justifying, explaining, that's acting out also. Okay. And then it's helpful to remind ourselves that these visitors to the mind are natural. They arise due to causes and conditions outside of our control. But one of the conditions for their arising is 
unwise attention. Not having paid careful enough or subtle enough attention, we drift off and we get entangled. So as soon as we bring wise attention to the moments, experience of them, we begin to erode their support. We begin to erode their causes and conditions that give rise to them. So they can't last for long. And in the meantime, as we willingly open to receive the flavor of these mental states, we learn, we see, we understand something about them. That these experiences are all unsatisfactory. As much as we might feel self-righteously angry or you know, really justified in being uh, caught up in whatever we're caught up in, depressed, or you know, legitimately fearful, or whatever, whatever it is that we explain about these things, we see that they're really unsatisfactory. It's hard to feel comfortable with self-righteousness, with blaming. So recognize this is an unpleasant, unsatisfying, a kind of a painful experience. This is the dukkha characteristic. Recognize also that they arise. These visitors come due to causes and conditions outside of our control, mostly habit being one of those conditions. And so they're really not ours. They're not me, they're not mine, they're not who I am. As Sayadaw Tejaniya said, the mind is not yours. Meaning anything can arise at any time in anyone's mind but you're responsible for it. Meaning once it has arisen, then we have the choice, we have the opportunity to either avoid, act out, or be aware of. So practice is a willing, open, interested attitude of mind that accepts, this is the way it is for me for now, observes with care and precision not in order to get rid of, or to explain, or to figure out, but just to know of oh, this, this is the nature of this visitor. And it is being known by this awareness that it is not the visitor. Huh, what can I learn about the nature of this state of mind? When we're attentive, we'll see that when we're paying careful attention to these visitors, they don't last very long. The story about them can go on forever, decades. But the actual experience of that state of mind can only last briefly, especially when wise attention is present. So distinguish between the actual experience of this mental state and the story about this mental state. Very different experiences. Being careful not to get entangled in the story, but cultivating this direct 
observation of the mental state is the path of liberation. That's what we're practicing. Do the best you can without a sense of struggle. That'll be good enough.
So, how did you treat your visitors, or how did you greet your visitors to the mind during that sitting? Anything. Um, I, I felt like I, not in any way, she like welcomed everything that came up, nothing disastrous or, you know, was it an intense uh, aversion that, but my question is, um, let's say that it feels open and peaceful and restful. Even that you can check, pleasant, you know, but I, it doesn't feel grasping. It's just pleasant. pleasant. My question is, if you're the waiting, I, what you said yesterday in the group is extremely insightful, but waiting when you're not filled with apprehension, when you're just, okay, if I'm in a very open, sort of pleasant state, and I know pleasant, is it sort of, and my task in this, can, can I just rest there or do I, because there's always so many things happening. You know, I could go, I go to my touch or to hearing. So how, um, I feel like you're going to tell me you don't have to be that active. But <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> I just said next, since... <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, so, let me, let me, let me, let me narrate what I heard you say. Okay, wow, this is, this is pretty good. I'm just kind of open, and it's kind of pleasant, and... Uh, um, just kind of easily here and waiting in a non-expecting way. I wonder what I'm supposed to do next. Um, I wonder if I should, because uh, I go touch something. I mean, uh, should I um, should I get should I get busy? Is it okay to just do nothing? I mean, okay. So what is that state of mind? I wonder what I should do. And no, wait, wait, wait. I wonder what I should do now. And uh, should I and do this or should I do that? What's that state of mind? Doubt. Doubt. And what else? Restlessness. Restlessness. And what else? Attachment. And aversion. Okay. There you go. Had some visitors to the mind, I see. <laughs> I mean, so, so really, I mean, it seems like such a, a kind of an innocuous, kind of like, benign question like what what do I do now but actually that's one of those states of mind that we just take for granted we don't recognize that it's disturbed actually it's disturbing our just easeful presence with just being content with the way things are right and so well what is going on there doubt doubt is one of the torments always accompanied by restlessness and because of it, there might be some attachment to the pleasantness, and is that okay? And there might be some, you know, aversion to, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I wish I knew. And 
You see, there's a lot going on. All of, all, of which is, all of which is being known by awareness. So what's the quality of the awareness while all that's going on? Fairly continuous, very, you know, whatever. Yes, against the window. Um, I feel that you have given me a magic wand. A what? Wand. Magic wand. Yeah. Okay. You're able to stay what? Dissolved. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So the the comment is basically when a thought comes and she sees it, then it disappears. It, it goes away. It dissolves. So the question that Sayadaw Tejani would ask you, I'm not him, but. What he would ask you is, <clears throat> how did it go away? Did you make it go away? Is that its nature? What, 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 what do you know about the going away of that thought? You don't have to try to answer that. But the question is, oh, how did this go away? What, what's that all about? Right? We're happy that it's gone away. It's like, there. <laughs> but, you know, I've seen myself get rid of thoughts by going, thoughts, whack. <laughs> Next, thought. <laughs> Next, you know, and it's easy. It, I mean, it's so quick. Nobody noticed except me. Okay, so, but, but then sometimes the thought is kind of like there, and you see it, and it just freeze frames. It just goes, <clears throat> and then depixelates right in front of you and just goes, <clears throat> Sometimes you see a thought, just as it's passing by. Sometimes you see a thought, it kind of comes up, it freezes, and then it just telescopes away, just kind of goes... Oh, that's one of those sounds that my phone makes. (laughs) So, as we observe thoughts, what happens to them? How do they disappear? Well, no. So what, 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 I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is just to recognize that thought disappears. That's good. But we can learn more than that. We don't have to try to figure it out. But we just want to pay close enough attention to the object and the awareness to just gather more data. You... How to stay aware with what was the first? Reading. reading and conceptual activity. So how to stay aware in reading, with reading or conceptual activity. Well, let's just stick with reading. So you have the books. They're out there. First thing you want to notice is when you walk outside, you get to the bulletin board, and you have the intention, I'd like to have a book. I'd like to get a book for a few minutes, just read something. And you get there, and you look, and you see some books. What do you feel? What? Desire. 
You feel excited? Yeah. You feel like, oh, happy? Yeah. Be sure to note all that because, <clears throat> be sure to recognize all that because that will also condition how you get the book, what you do with it, and how you're reading it. So just notice that. So then what if you get there and you realize, or you see, no book. Is there a different response when there's no book as when there is a book? Of course. Uh, be sure to notice that. Okay, so then you get the book. What does the cover feel like? Right? Okay, how heavy does it weigh? Have you noticed the weight of it when you pick it up? Okay, which direction do you turn? You're standing at the bulletin board. Do you turn left or do you turn right? And why? Okay, there's a lot going on before you ever get to the content of the book, right? So if we're not noticing those things, how we read the book is not going to be very noticeable either. So what I'm suggesting is the continuity of attention to every moment, every moment, not just sitting, reading, walking, eating, going to the toilet, sleeping. That's not close enough. So anyway, so now you've got the book. And you're going to sit anywhere except the dining room. Okay? You can go to your room. You can go to the foyer. You can go outdoors if it's not raining. You can whatever, but not the dining room. That's reserved for people doing walking meditation and doing tea meditation. <laughs> not reading meditation. Okay, so... <laughs> okay? I just got to kind of... So then... When you, when you open the book to read something, just notice, do you start at page one? Do you look through the index to find something you want to read? Or do you just open and read? And why? Why did you do that? Why did you just go to the index first? Why did you just open the book and look? Or why do you think you have to start at the beginning? This book is not a novel. You know, you can start anywhere. You can start at the end, read backwards, it doesn't matter. So these are all things that you want to be, you want to be, you want to notice, why did I choose to do that? What, what was going on in my mind that made me turn to the front cover? You know, just inside the cover. What, what was the first word you read? Okay, so if we don't notice those things, how we're reading, we're not going to notice that either. <clears throat> so when you're reading and you've decided, okay, I'm just going to open the book, I'm going to read on the left-hand side of the page, you open it up and you go, Pum. then there's seeing. What do you actually see? You see black lines on white paper. Well, you don't really see paper. You see black and white. Right? And then we start reading. Be aware of your posture. Be aware of the attitude of mind in the reading. Are you trying to get something? Are you trying to? Are you just kind of like, let me just see what's here. Just read and see how that paragraph or that sentence or two sentences just kind of goes in. It's like, oh, because he's talking about objects and awareness, some understanding. And you just take it in and you go, huh. Okay, that resonates or that doesn't, or I wonder what he means by that. And I think I know what he means, but all of this is observing your mind states of interest, curiosity, bewilderment, confirmation, Joy, whatever, whatever you get. So as you read, you're going to have these, this inner monologue, a narrative going on about what you're reading. 
as well as the process of reading. You know, so that that's that's the mechanics of it. But then, as you read, really, it's not it's not to read the book. It's not to get it done <clears throat> in the course of the retreat or anything like that. It's not even one page. It's just read one sentence. Read read till something strikes you as, huh? Let me look into that. Or, wow, I get it. Or something. Then put the book down. Go on your way. That's enough. You know, they were ti- at times during the time of the Buddha. Uh, renunciates would hear about the Buddha and they'd want to get some teachings. They'd come to the Buddha, they'd do their bows, have a little social connection, ask for some teaching, and the Buddha would just say one sentence or one couplet or just one thing pointing to some aspect of the mind. Thank you very much, Bhante. They'd go off and practice for 20 years. (laughs) Well, I'm not the Buddha. Saito Tejaniya is not the Buddha but there is still equally valuable stuff in that book that uh, just to read to pass to get from page to page is not it's meaningless but if you read one thing in the day that strikes your heart in a touching way and guides your practice that's enough think of it that way Right attitude for three minutes. Yes. <laughs> and for the rest of the time, uh, for the rest of the whole retreat, I feel like I'm trying too hard. Trying too hard. And I can't, I can't, I can't just notice it. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It feeds on itself. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, let's face it. Our conditioning of growing up and education and in our careers, whatever it is, and even for, for those people who are retired, I've noticed, they're busier than when they were working. <laughs> yes, like, I'm glad I haven't retired. So I couldn't possibly be busier. But anyway, so recognize this is our conditioning. This is your conditioning to just, you know, just to try to get, to, to, you know, just to have that kind of acquisitive, do more, get more, make effort, be productive, Right? That, that's, our, that's our conditioning. And so just to, just to relax, just relax again. Relax. Let that be your mantra. Relax. Relax. Yeah. Relax. Yeah, but... Relax. Yeah, but... Relax. I wonder... Relax. Should I... Relax. What time is it? Relax. It's now. It's always now. Right? What's the problem with that? Boring. That's good. What can you tell me about boring? Hey, for all of those of you who've experienced any boredom, at the end of the retreat, I want you to write a little essay about observable facts of the state of boredom. And if you can write two observable facts, you're, you're doing really good. Time for one more? Yes. Okay, I have sort of a looming fear. A looming fear? A looming fear. 
been training myself by being here to be super aware of everything going on, which is actually terrifying when you think about all the things going on. What if you know you, you come back to a significant other who perhaps hasn't had the same experience? And they definitely haven't had. Not perhaps haven't. <laughs> they definitely haven't. Time's up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, you did a good job of articulating all of this kind of free-floating anxiety of like, how is this practice going to affect me and my, my life? And it's, you know, you're, it's not uncommon to kind of think, Jesus, I can't, I can't go back to being my normal or normal relationships. It's like, what, what am I going to do? And... So there is, just, just to acknowledge, there's this free-floating anxiety, looming. Looming. Is looming? Where's looming? <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean, looming, but it's, is it, is it on the left, at the right, the back, in front? I mean, is it a time thing or what? But anyway, ju- just be sure to note that feeling, looming. I, I've never suggested anybody note looming, but that's good, thanks. Got something new today. Okay, so looming. Looming. Interesting. So, free-floating anxiety. How are you relating to it? Being anxious is one thing. Being aware that anxiety has arisen is a totally different experience. Both of them involve anxiety being present. But feeling, I'm anxious, and feeling anxious is this, meaning you're kind of embedded in it, you're kind of caught up in it, you are anxious. The visitor has bought the mortgage, you know, and it's taken over the mind. So extract that. Just recognize, oh, this is anxiety. This is the nature of anxiety. Okay, this is what it does. It causes these kind of thoughts. It feels this way in the heart. It feels this way in the body, whatnot. And as you can observe, every, you know, all of it, the different kinds of thoughts you had about, you know, greeting, meeting, talking, you know, relating to sex, everything. It's just like, Wow. Wow, anxiety is pretty... Okay. Observing the nature of anxiety doesn't involve resolving all of the content of the anxiety. So I want to distinguish between observing the nature of anxiety, feeling into what anxiety feels like in the body, in the heart, seeing what it does to the narrative of my life, You described that very good. And just to know, oh, this is the nature of anxiety. Just to observe it, not to figure it out, not to get rid of it, not to explain it, not to even justify it, but just to go, 
this is, this is what anxiety is like. Huh, okay. You see what I'm doing with, with, the, with the experience? If you get into the content and you really try to figure out sex, let me think. Now, if my body's doing this here, can, I don't know if I, I, I can't deal with it. I think, don't go there. <laughs> you know, if you get in, involved in the content of the anxiety, You'll just go around in circles, circles. There's, there's no resolution to that content until you're in that experience. Okay? It's just thoughts. It's just thoughts. It's just imagination. Fears and excitement and anxiety and all, you know. But if you're paying attention to the nature of anxiety, that will be there for a while. But if you keep the, if the awareness is strong, you'll be watching, 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 watching. Watching, 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 and not being so caught up in the content and getting more anxious, but being more aware. That anxiety won't last very long. You haven't resolved the questions. You can't resolve the questions because they're just thoughts. But in the, in the experience of all those things that you are anxious about, meeting and greeting and talking and whatever, then, depending on your awareness, there'll be more or less presence in awareness. So I want to just take that as a pointer. Distinguish between the activity or the nature of the visitor and the content of the visitor. That's the narrative. Be careful about getting it. You, you cannot resolve the content. You know, to get caught up in the content, it just goes around. It's a story. It just goes around, around, around. It goes on forever. We're carrying stories about the past for decades, but the experience is long gone. Let it come, let it go. Okay, so we're seeing, we're starting smaller groups today. We'll see all of you over the next three days, today, tomorrow, and the next day. So you can see the groups are a little smaller, five instead of seven or eight. And same place, same time, different teacher. Okay? Have a good day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.